1: Today on the Zabecast, the last dance wound down to the last episodes, and it's hard to imagine a more compelling documentary. Andy Poland joins me, we'll discuss our favorite moments and debate just how much embellishment is fair game. All that plus a tribute to Phyllis George, a mini NFL crime wave, and corona madness might be giving way to sanity. Your daily Kickstarter of Uncensored Me is locked and loaded, so buckle up, and let's go! <laughs> Here we go! Tuesday, May 19, 2020. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for giving me three days off from the Zabecast. Back in the saddle, ready to go. More stuff than I can jam into a single episode, so I will probably dribble it out during the week. Wait, does that sound disgusting? Kind of. Either way, Malcolm 2020 was a wrap. 18 years running, just a golf getaway for a bunch of men. And to think 18 years has gone by, I was saying to Cowboy Mike as we rode down together, I'm like, do you remember? I said, I took a picture of us the first year, and and I've got it. And it's like, we looked so young. And he said, because we were. We were 35 years old. And I said to him, I go, how do I get to be 35 again? Silence. He said, it's not happening. And I said, you're right. And that's when we said, we are as young as we are ever going to be again, so we better start acting like it. I have to get my health in order, I'll be honest with you. I played like shit. Nobody cares about how I played. Uh, but it, you know, it's not fun when you play golf and you're outside the envelope of your normal functionality. It's one thing to hit a bad shot or two or to make scoring mistakes or to putt badly. But when you hit like seven snap hooks in a row off the tee, it, it, that just – that's not fun, right there. My wrists and my hands—I know I talk about using CBD to help with my rheumatoid arthritis, um, but it's you know I, I've got to do all I can. I've got to get on. I've got to get on the most aggressive anti-inflammatory diet I possibly can to support my body and my immune system and everything else to try to hold off. On a condition that doesn't get better, it only gets worse as time goes on. Because it's just not fun when you're trying to hit a golf ball and your wrists are stiff and painful and your fingers don't have a lot of strength to them. And, you know, you end up just slapping at the ball. Nobody likes to just slap at the ball. You want to get through it and hit it well. What's frustrating is that on Saturday night, I'd kind of found something. I realized that I was too quick in transition. And I know you're like, just get to Andy. I don't care about your golf swing. So I slowed it down, and I got into a rhythm. And late on Saturday night, as the sun was going down, I had a spare bucket of balls up on a tee box that was up by the lodges on the right side of the range, this massive, wide-open range at Pine Needles. And about a 40-foot drop down to the uh, range itself. Tons of targets, flags out there. It was gorgeous. It was so fun. And I hit a small bucket, and I couldn't miss i was pummeling driver after driver after driver all of them in the same 10 yard wide window all of them hit very well i mean 15 16 in a row same thing with my seven iron was flushing them and i'm like i got it i got it tomorrow was on but then i joked i realized i'm like this is going to be like the costanza model bar in seinfeld where you go back the next day where, where is it what happened of course, I couldn't find it the next day, and you know Sunday was not very fun. But had a great time. I love organizing this event. I love the happiness of my fellow men, unsupervised for three straight days, getting along, drinking, playing cards, playing dice, talking shit, giving each other grief. It's great. It's great. And I admire everybody's attitudes about the game. There's so many guys on the trip who suck just like I do or worse. Some are, of course, better. And most of them have good attitudes about it. They don't get as mad as I do. I I don't get as mad as I once did, but I still threw too many clubs. And I got to stop that. But I like to emulate the guys that I go, you know what? He's got a good attitude about the game. He can hit shitty shot, shitty shot, and then be like, yeah, boom, 30-footer. Take that and get joy out of that. That's what I need to channel into. And, of course, the trip goes by in a flash of the eye. A blink. It's so quick now. And maybe it's because we've been doing it for 18 years, so we know the routine of it. Get there Thursday. Get set up. Do the pairings. Friday comes, 36 holes. Bing, bang, boom. And it's, it's here and gone. And for me and Cowboy Mike, who are the prime organizers of this, we lament it every year. And I say, well, then the only solution is to organize a fall trip so that we have two a year. And then I started to say, why don't we do three trips? Why don't we do a trip, four trips a year? Four four four-day golf trips a year, one in the winter, or maybe a week-long one in the winter, a four-banger in the spring, a four-banger in the fall, and maybe a week in the summer. And I know it's hard when you got families and kids, you don't have a lot of time off of work, and things are pulling at you. But again, what did I say? We're as young as we're ever going to be again, so we better start acting like it. If this is what I love to do, play golf, I should play more golf. Pasquale's Pizza and Wings. Ever heard of it? Oh, you haven't. Yeah, Pasquale's Pizza and Wings. Otherwise known as Chuck E. Cheese. That's right. Chuck E. Cheese has renamed themselves Pasquale's Pizza and Wings. So people that are ordering through Grubhub and other services don't know that they're ordering out from Chuck E. Cheese. I'd like to say that's Dirty Pool, but then again, if you're dumb enough to fall for it, well, you deserve Chuck E. Cheese pizza. Maybe Chuck E. Cheese pizza is good. I don't know. Haven't had it. If you have had Chuck E. Cheese pizza or Er Pasquale's pizza and wings, let me know. The NFL has backed off of a decision or a, or a move that would have been disastrous to even think about. It, it would have been a total joke, and it's kind of a joke it was even considered. The NFL, over the weekend, it was leaked by Jim Trotter. We're going to consider improving a team's draft position if they hire a black coach or a black general manager. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? People are like, that's a good idea how exactly. What's that going to solve exactly? I'm at the point where the NFL should just mandate a specific number and be done with it. Either a quota or they should say every third head coach has to be a minority or every other coach has to be a minority. Now, I know they won't do that because they want this veneer of what well, we want the best person for the job, but we also want minorities to get fair run. And it all comes back to, as always, the whole, you know, fire the black man. You know, there, there have been good black coaches and bad black coaches, just like good white coaches and bad white coaches. Is there still a gap? Is there still a a racial component to hiring head coaches in the NFL? I'd say there probably is, but I'm not sure you can legislate it out. Now they're going to fall back on, you got to interview two guys for for the head coach position, two two black candidates, and then two minority candidates. I guess it's not just black. Ron Rivera, I think, counts as a minority. Two minority candidates for head coach and two for GM, which will only put more pressure on minority candidates that are token interviews because owners are going to end up hiring who they want to own. And whether they're racist or they just have an old boy network that might be white guys more than black guys, who knows? I'm not sure you can mandate this into existence. I'm not sure when they'll say, you know what? War is over, we declare victory, and away we go. And before we get to Andy, the USGA has announced they are canceling all qualifying for the US Open which has been rescheduled for mid September at Wingfoot in New York. So for the first time probably ever the US Open will actually be the US closed because there's no qualifying they'll use exemptions to get people in the field. There is also a report that they were going to say that there would be no fans at the event and I just cringe thinking why? Why would you say that now? I know you might have to erect grandstands. You might have to get things in motion. It happens months in advance. The, the tented village for the media and corporate sponsors, that has several months of lead time. you got to cancel at some point if you're not going to spend the money on that stuff. But that said, if you just say to fans, look, sit tight until September 1st and we'll make a go-no-go no go on how many tickets, fans will be fine. And if you have only 10,000 fans, the less the merrier, I'd say. That'd be a great viewing experience. We'll see how crazy the country is by then. Uh, the USGA did say later in the day where they've not made a decision yet on fans and attendance. And I say good for them. Wait. Seeing how things have changed so quickly and dramatically in the last week. Wait. Give it till July first, at least. And if these companies that you rent the tents and the you know stands from can't sit tight as well, fuck them. Tell them either you want our business or not. Either you're going to wait with us or you're not. Wait, sit tight, do less, be flexible. Stop canceling shit early. Hello, hello! poor one out for Phyllis George, Andy. Pioneer and a true Texas dime. My God, was she perfect. Uh, Yeah,
2: I mean, she came along at a time where there was a huge transition in football. And I give a lot of credit to Pete Rozelle, the commissioner, who really... Understood football. I mean, the pregame show used to be 15 minutes, and then they started doing half an hour. Uh, and at first, it was—I think it was only Irv Cross and Brent Musburger. I think they did the show, and it was you know some news, and they'd go out to the stadium, get a little preview from whoever was doing the game, and then it was Rosell who said, eh, "Let's play on the edges a little bit." And they hired this guy, Jimmy the Greek Snyder who was uh, a, a tout, a guy who uh, uh, had allegedly set the line for the Super right. Bowl, of 18 points when the uh, Colts lost to the Jets. Exactly. Here
1: we go, Andy. <laughs> yeah. Dun, dun. dun so that dun, was dun. great. And then,
2: 1975, they uh, come up with the idea to hire a woman. And they find... Phyllis George, a former Miss America from Texas, who said what she knew about football she had learned from the athletes she had dated, so she didn't, over, <laughs> didn't oversell herself. Um, and then soon, soon they started putting her on these interviews. And her most famous one was she was when she interviewed Roger Staubach. Right now, Staubach had won the Super Bowl MVP, and in those days, they would give the Super Bowl MVP a Corvette, and he said. know i got three kids can i turn this in for a station wagon and they said really and he said yeah i'd really like to have that instead so he had a station wagon and he was very devoted to his wife and his family and uh she had interviewed joe namath the week before and he was aware of that he said you know you you just interviewed joe namath and everybody who compares me to joe namath but Joe Namath and I like the same thing. Uh, he says, you know, he likes to have a good time, and uh, he says I, I like sex just as much as Joe Namath. I just like to have it with one woman, and it's yeah. just as much fun. And so that's that's where she made her mark. She got athletes to say things to her that uh, that they wouldn't say to a male. Yeah.
1: You and, know, as far as she,
0: you know, the she, idea of off the field, he's single,
1: bachelor, swing, and I'm married and family, and you know he's having all the fun, and you know I enjoy sex as much as Joe Namath. <laughs> Only I do it with one girl. You know? There I mean, you that, go. But it's still fun. You know, it's yeah. the same thing. And uh, everybody likes, you know, like you're, you're married, you have a family. It's not fun. And to me, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, that's is my life, and I enjoy it. And- there you go. There is Roger Staubach, <laughs> that defining moment. And, you know, she fit in very well. Even though she didn't know football, like you said, she didn't try to come off as something she wasn't. Right, and Sally Jenkins writing in the Post today say that you know some would say she was not a feminist, but in a way she was, and that she wasn't going to shove it down anyone's throats. It was like here I'm I'm sitting at the table of male football, you know, men, 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 and it's okay, people, relax.
2: Yeah, I I think she did a lot to bring women into into viewing the games. Uh, she just had a, had a right way about her. And, you know, she left after three years, and she was replaced by Jane, Jane Kennedy. Kennedy Yeah, yeah, for, for a couple of years. And then they decided to bring her back, but then she had some clout. She said, if I'm coming back, I want a bigger role. So she comes back in 1980, and guess who's jealous of the airtime that Phyllis is getting? The Greek.
1: No. <laughs>
2: yeah. And uh, so after one of the long Sundays— uh, they retire to a bar, Brent and the Greek, and uh, they get into it. And the Greek took a swing at Brent. Brent's a tough guy. And, wow. Uh, yeah, and it was over Phyllis. Phyllis taking up his airtime.
1: Yeah, but Phyllis would stay though, and the Greek would just have to deal with it, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, the Greek – and the Greek, you know, he he was a complete phony anyway, but it it, it worked out well. And, you know, he would – the only information he would ever get is he'd call Al Davis, and Al Davis would feed him a few things. <laughs> right. You know, I'm hearing here, Brent, that, uh, you know, Al is very interested in uh, getting another quarterback game you know, right from Al.
1: <laughs> I love those pregame shows, by the way.
2: Bears fumbled away a game to Green Bay, but Walter Payton was in stride. He scored, and he'll be looking to do the same against the 49ers. And live sold out San Diego's Jack Murphy Stadium, where Detroit's Billy Sims will push his Sophomore of the Year claim against the
0: Charger wow. team that has added a ground attack to its already explosive passing game. And now live sold out Texas Stadium. Where the Cardinals' Neil
2: Lomax will make his first regular season start against the Cowboy team that's won ten regular season games in a row at home.
1: Guess what year of Week Two that was, Andy? Come on, show flex your muscle on your encyclopedic memory. Just hearing those names, what Week Two? What year was that? I think
2: there's a fairly good chance I was at that St. Louis game with Neil Lomax <laughs> at Texas Stadium. And? So I'm gonna I'm gonna guess 1981. You son of
1: a bitch! Unbelievable, Andy Poland! Ding, 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 1981. Oh, God. Do we look back at those shows just because we're old Alta Cockers with nostalgia, or were they actually better in their simplicity?
2: Well, well, they, they didn't have the technology that they have now, so the bells and whistles weren't there. The other good thing about it was... It was half an hour. Yeah. These pre-game shows now go three and four hours. Um, you
1: know, we're here for a good time, not a long time. And right. you can get the basics involved. It's like, here's a thought. Here's a thought. Go through the games. The pre-game shows are indeed way too long, but they make money on them. They're money making machines. They sell the ad inventory for them, despite the fact they don't get very good ratings.
2: Right. Right. But the, the, the NFL today was the pregame show. NBC did one, I think it was called Grandstand, and it was hosted by talented people. You know, Gumble did it and Costas did it, but it never it never approached the NFL today. Yeah. I mean Brett Brett knew what the hell he was doing and he had a great cast there. Yeah.
1: Phyllis George, rest in peace, dies at seventy. Also passing away over the weekend at eighty six, Fred Willard. Yeah. Were you a big Fred Willard fan? Because he was in a lot of things and pretty much everybody liked him.
2: Yes, he, he was very good. I was aware of him before Best in Show and what is it, some of the other things, what is it, Spinal Tap, some of the other things that right. he's done. He was on a show called Real People, which yes! was, which was ho- hosted by Sarah Purcell I and had Fr- Fran Tarkington on it and um, Byron Allen, who was like 20 years old, was on it. And, you know, it was a, it was I don't think the format would necessarily work now, but it was sort of like America's funniest videos and that they would take you to different places. And this thing happened here and this thing happened there. and right. would Say pithy things about it. But, uh, yeah, that lasted a while.
1: Real people. I'm just thinking of that. And of course, Anchorman, he had this classic 25 second jaunt on Anchorman. Oh, come on.
2: Right. But I think my son is just going through a phase. I have no idea where you would have gotten a hold of German pornography. <laughs> but you and I are mature adults. We've both seen our share of pornographic materials. Oh, you never have? Uh, of course you haven't. How stupid of me. Neither have I. I was just speaking in generalities. right? I'll stop by the school a little later, Sister Margaret. <laughs> <laughs> Sister I, I read Margaret. where he... He had lived a lot of that. Like really? Him, yeah, it was sort of like Larry David. Like they gave him, you know, bullet points of what you want to get to, but he did they It was no script to it. He did it. He did it himself off the yeah. cuff.
1: Yeah. Meanwhile, Andy, what a crime wave in the NFL over the last yeah. week. When there's no real off-season program, some of these NFL players revert to their natural instincts to get in trouble. And Quentin Dunbar, former Redskin was involved in what might be the most serious incident, although the Redskins do have a player in Corey Latimer. We'll get to him in a second. But Dunbar and DeAndre Baker, last seen in college dropping the ball at the two-yard line on an interception and getting away with it, allegedly robbed a bunch of partygoers at gunpoint of their $25,000 watches as revenge for losing seventy-five grand in a poker game. Both players' attorneys say... They were not involved. It didn't happen, and they're confident the charges will be dropped. But that might not be the end of it because the NFL has now stricter guidelines with shield law, as I call it, in regards to suspensions. What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, from, from what I read, Dunbar was not carrying a gun, uh, at least according to witnesses, so the charges may be lesser for him. But these are guys who have made a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, Baker had, what, six million dollars guaranteed off his yeah. contract. And, you know, even Dunbar, who wants a new deal, uh, has, is due to make three and a half million, has already made, what, 10 or 12 or something like that. Right. So 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 what they're doing, taking guns for a stick up of 70 grand. What are they thinking? I
1: I, I don't know. That's the thing that you wonder about. And in a similar incident, Redskins wide receiver Corey Latimer, who was picked up as a sort of a fringe guy in the offseason, former New York Giant, was arrested for menacing and felony discharge of a firearm because he was organizing a poker game. Things went south. He started getting into an argument, was kicked out of the apartment, comes back with a gun, threatens two guys saying, I've got two bullets for you, and I'm going to kill y'all, then fires off a couple of shots in close proximity, and the police are called, and next thing, he is under arrest. Why hasn't New Culture, who dis, Ron Rivera, cut this fool already?
2: Well, the agent is saying that there's some crazy extenuating circumstances here. Really? I'd love to
1: hear them sooner rather than later and if we can't cut a bum like this within 24 hours do you buy in that there really is a new culture at Redskin Park
2: yeah I'd be curious to see what happens if he's still on the roster uh at the end of this week then yeah something doesn't seem right but maybe there is something I have no idea I mean the agents seem pretty it was an attorney. It wasn't even an agent. It was an attorney. It yeah, the attorney's very, like,
1: oh yeah, but strong he, he didn't that. say wasn't my guy. He didn't say it didn't right. happen. He's just like, there are some real aggravating circumstances yeah. here. Oh, really? Right. Well, okay. Well, but will see look, about when, that. I,
2: when I heard about the, the facilities being closed uh, two months ago, I mean, who, who couldn't have seen this coming? You <laughs> know, I mean, right. this was this was the other thing. And now with with this poker and now actual shots being fired. What Gilbert Arenas did, bringing guns in the locker room, seems tame now. You know, <laughs> this is like the next level.
1: It kind of does. It kind of does. It was quite the Monday in terms of sports news and coronavirus, as both New York and Cuomo and California with Newsom said, "Oh, oh, oh, yeah, no, we're gonna, we're gonna work with sports teams to be open." This after Arizona, then Florida, then Texas today, all started signaling the "Hey, come on, come on." Do you feel good about football in the fall, Andy? At least at the pro level,
2: Uh, I I, I'm still hesitant about that. I think I think it can happen, Um, but I I still think there's going to be a battle over money in this, uh, like in baseball and in course football. Yeah, I think the players always lose in this, but yeah, I think why is there a
1: battle over money?
2: Well, because the owner the owners can come to the players and they can say hey, you know, we've got extenuating circumstances here. We're not getting – now, they're getting a lot more TV money than baseball, so maybe they can't afford to fly, but uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it it, it, it just seems now, – now, Mayor Bowser says that she's looking forward to the possibility of having the Nationals play at Nats Park this year. So – and this is – you know, the Redskins would be Maryland, so we'll see what uh, Larry Hogan, a Republican who I like, by the way, uh, we'll see
1: what happens there. Well, la da uh, <laughs> Andy likes a Republican.
2: How about them apples? This, this one, yes. Uh, that, uh, that we'll see. But, yeah, I, you know. Look.
1: Here's, here's what I just, it drives me crazy. Baseball puts out, well, they don't put out, but it leaked out, their plan for safety. No sunflower seeds, no spitting. You can't chat at first base. No showers after the game. But the most ridiculous of all, was the no lineup card exchange. Get the fuck out of here with that nonsense. This is a case of these leagues, Andy, trying to appeal to the most Karen of Karens out there. Like, oh, you can't have that. There's no scientific basis for it. Well, you know, there was an outbreak of this disease when two teams exchanged a piece of paper. Between two managers, it's theater, it's nonsense, and I don't think it serves the leagues well. They should just say, look, we're going to play games without fans. We're going to test our guys. We're going to use precautions. And if a guy tests positive, we're going to put him to the side. And that's that. We're not going to get into the weeds on things as minuscule as this because you can't satisfy the Karens of the world that want to know, well, what are you going to do about this? You touch this. I touch that. I think it's counterproductive, but that's just me.
2: Let me suggest this. What if you put out this comprehensive 67-page booklet and you turn it over to the Centers for Disease Control and you say, look, we're accounting for everything here. And they look at it and they flip through it and they say,
1: oh, okay, looks I, good. I think don't play the, ball, boys. I, you know what? Fuck the CDC and don't make them the commission of your league. Never give up control. The CDC will get in there, Andy, with their fingers and go, well, we don't like this. We don't like that. What I've been saying on this podcast, which I'm sure no owners are listening to, but I've been saying, careful, if you let them in the door, they'll run your league for you. They will micromanage it down to the last detail. And you don't have to do that. Don't bow to public opinion like, well, you better consult with them. Do what you can do legally and then let make them force their way in and shut you down in certain regards, because if you try to get their approval, I mean, look at Fauci He's like, I don't want to ever shake hands again. We shouldn't send kids to school in the fall. It's May.
2: But Fauci, Fauci has said that he thinks baseball can be played and he thinks that football can be played as yeah. well. He's, and, he, he's come and you out. know what
1: I think? He ain't the fucking commissioner. No, he's one not. Man he... With one man's medical opinion. I wouldn't let him run my league if I was an owner, but that's just that. Uh, the golf this weekend, I saw there was, you know, they only had like 12 people with the Dustin Johnson and Rory and Ricky and Matthew Wolf mm-hmm. group. They had one female production assistant walking around with the group who had a mask on, yep. a mask on Sorry. in the middle of Jupiter, Florida, or not Jupiter, but Palm Beach County.
2: Juno, yeah. Florida, whatever
1: in 85-degree heat where coronavirus doesn't survive outside in the UV with everyone tested, Andy. She's wearing a mask. Well, better
2: safe than sorry. You know, look, and also— Oh,
1: God. Are you and, serious? And, better and, safe and, than sorry? It It's not proven to stop anything.
2: I'm not a medical expert. I couldn't tell you that one way or another. Fauci just-
1: said that. He said you shouldn't be wearing masks back in March. He- Have you not seen that?
2: He's but he's now started to wear a mask at his news conference the other day, which makes
1: him a phony is what what makes him that he's changing his
2: opinion. Everything has changed. People have looked at different scenarios and they've looked at different results and they've determined that a mask is necessary. Look,
1: Andy, Andy, that mask the woman was wearing was not an N95 mask. It was just a surgical mask.
2: Okay, well, and, I, I, and, I, and they, I, I just wear a bandana when I go shopping at the Giant at 6 a.m. on Sundays. You know what, Andy?
1: If, if It works. If that's, listen, <laughs> uh, here's my stance on masks. If stores require it and I've got to go to the store, I'll wear one. Fine. I yeah. do it out of courtesy. That's fine. But otherwise, your bandana is also not protecting you from anything. But it, it may be protecting other people. Only if you cough and get a, b- a bunch of schmutz out there, as the <laughs> saying goes. Well, I've been sick since eighty five, so I don't think there is much risk of that. <laughs> Did you? Can I play for you the Fauci mask soundbite?
2: Th- this is which one? Now, the recent one or the one from March when things were not as certain it- as they are now?
1: Does it from March?
2: <clears throat> okay, well, that's when they didn't know as much. They they're learning. You
1: are telling is- me, Anthony Fauci, infectious yeah. disease guy for forty years, learned something new about masks and their efficacy in two months. Yes,
2: uh, with a disease that they've never encountered before. Oh, Andy. Right uh, now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You're sure of it? Because people are listening really no, closely you, to this. Uh, right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. It's smart. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. There
1: you go. But that's March. Things have changed. No, they haven't changed. His logic back then is the same as it is now. It it doesn't. It's a droplet, if that.
2: Yes, but they found that these droplets can stay in the air for eight minutes, I read the other day. Oh.
1: All right. Well, anyway, we'll let let's move on. Last dance. Last dance. What do you think of the last two episodes, Andy? Fabulous.
2: I, I think that, that I, I love sports documentaries. This is the best I've ever seen. You know how early I go to bed. It's ten forty-five, and I look at the clock in the in commercial. And I say, "Damn, there's only about ten more minutes of this to go." That sucks. I, I really loved it. Great storytelling. A lot of BS in there, including you
1: think the pizza. <laughs> it,
2: no, I don't, not buying the pizza story. No, uh, me neither. And there's more there was in there, too, that, that the director, Jason Eyre said that when the pizza was brought in, Jordan spit on it so nobody else would eat it. That that's Oh, how, really? Yeah, so that's how nobody else. He said that the other guys, the, the, the <laughs> crew that he had, the retired cop and yeah. the bodyguards who were looking after him. They had gone out to eat, and I guess he, he wasn't able to do that because he's Michael Jordan, and they didn't bring him back a doggy bag. So he was pissed and he said, get a pizza. And he said, you guys are not getting any of this. And spit all over it and then got sick. So <laughs> I, I, I don't I mean, it, it could be it could be something else. It's a convenient story. Uh, it makes it, I guess it makes a little bit more sense. He may have had the flu. He may have been hung over. Who knows? He may have
1: been hung over.
2: <laughs> the, the one the one that got me the, the most, though, was the story that Jordan told. About when he was playing baseball, and he went to visit the Bulls facility to say hello yes. to Carl Malone, yes. and that Brian Russell, a rookie, said something to the effect like, "Why'd hey, you Mike, quit? Yeah, you're 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 retired because you're ducking me. Okay, <laughs> that if he said that, he he would have been out of the league like two days later because because he would have been a complete moron. He had about a twelve year career and he oh, actually yeah. played played with Jordan for a year with the Wizards. Jordan brought him in. So that, I think, was totally invented. And (laughs) did you ever hear anything else about Brian Russell being a mouthy idiot other than what you heard last night?
1: That's a good point. I never thought of that. I I only thought about the pizza story like, look, it's a great story. It might be true, but I'm not eating that story just like nobody else ate the pizza. If you want to eat that story and enjoy it, that's great. The, the Brian Russell thing is interesting because who was not interviewed for that seminal moment in sports history?
2: Yeah, he refused. Yeah, he and Carl Malone both refused to interviews for that.
1: Refused?
2: Yeah, I read that. They they were asked and, and decided not to. What if Malone
1: uh, just, refused and they just forgot to call Brian Russell because he might go, I never said that about Jordan.
2: No, I think that's something you have to check on. because No, the shot is, is... What do you mean that you have to check part- on...
1: If Brian Russell is going to dispute a key part of the documentary that you're working with Jordan on, they're just going to not include it. They're not going to let him introduce exculpatory testimony that would ruin a great storyline. You agree that the storyline of Brian Russell saying, hey, man, why are you ducking me is a great element. So if he comes on camera and goes, I never said that, now it's ruined.
2: Yes, but you you would not include that. You you just wouldn't include okay, his, but then, his rebuttal.
1: Yeah. Uh, I just I think this was look, it was a very entertaining amazing thing, but I think it was very manipulated to obviously tell the story that Jordan wanted.
2: Oh yeah, the the, the producers are are his, his Cosa Nostra it's it's SD Portnoy and Curtis Polk they yeah. they've been handling him for years they're they're folk people it doesn't and, and it yeah. doesn't make yeah.
1: it any less spectacular uh my yeah. only the only thing oh oh how about the, how about the line with uh him and bird you bitch fuck yeah. you <laughs> i yeah, said but- i said that is how men say to each other i love you that's right. the right. equivalent of i love you you bitch fuck you and now go work on your golf game as larry bird has that wry smile like yep Beat us again?
2: Yeah, that's that's what that is. Is two guys who can look at each other and they're speaking a language that the rest of us can't understand because they're so far above. It's like a very famous Gay Talese story where Marilyn Monroe had entertained the troops in Korea, and there were thousands of thousands of soldiers, and they cheered her, and she came home to see her husband Joe DiMaggio, and she said, "Oh, Joe." Thousands and thousands cheering for me. You can't imagine what it was like, And he said, Marilyn, yes, I can."
1: <laughs> <laughs> Would you have liked to know what Jordan's poem essentially said before they burned it? Or is uh, that, is that go against the mon- or does that go against the whole point of keeping it amongst those in the inner circle and then burning the words you've written down?
2: Uh, I don't think that'll get out, but I would, if there was a bet to be made, I would bet there's some profanity in there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But they said how they're like, wow, Jordan's really thoughtful and sensitive. I said, the poem must've been roses are red, violets are blue, but I kind of took that personally. (laughs) Yeah. Cause that, that came up a million times in the documentary, but that's okay. That's okay. What, what, uh, the net net of the whole documentary would be what?
2: Is that we got a look at, behind the curtain at at how this incredible dynasty happened? I mean, this is this wouldn't have happened with the Boston Celtics who had the eight straight. Um, you know, I don't think I don't think any of this footage is being shot with the Patriots, but I wonder if that ever got out the great dynamic between yeah. Brady and Belichick. You know, so this this was an opportunity to see stuff that's that's unbelievable. I mean, the, the shot they had last night. Of Jordan on the bench with a cup to his mouth, so if people can't read his lips, saying to Steve Kerr, "Steve, look, you're, if you're open, I'm getting you the ball." And then, right. and then Kerr saying, "Oh, I'll be ready, Mike. I'll be ready." <laughs> that, that's incredible yeah. stuff. That's no, just great.
1: It is good stuff. Uh, the 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 footage that they got towards the end was some really gorgeous film footage of the game in slow motion, which presented beautifully. What frustrated me and i'm sure it did the producers was so many iconic moments of jordan's career like the dunks in the 84 all-star game dunk contest mm-hmm. are of such terrible quality yeah and that's the best moving picture footage we have from jordan's early career
2: except that about well, l- late career though you you know it's coming wednesday on espn don't you no, this is this is right in your wheelhouse. You got to Google this. They are going to do Game Six the movie with. Are you ready for this? Nineteen ninety eight HD footage of that game. What? Yes.
1: Who filmed Who it?
2: Uh, whoever was doing it. I, I okay.
1: Don't know. Um, it, it had to be. It had to be film stock, which is essentially high definition and developed. It's mm-hmm. probably a lot of the footage that we saw. But yeah, okay. So that's Wednesday, the game six, uh, the last dance shot. I mean, the shot was perfect. It's too bad he ruined it here. And was there anything he could have done here that would have not put such a a, a shit stain on his career, like his tenure here with the Wizards? <laughs> I don't
2: know. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was the perfect ending. Look at look at what he's it done was. Since, look at what he's done since that shot went in. He had this tumultuous run with the Wizards, where he was a horrible executive, though he did get rid of Juwan Howard. And then he had two years where he wound up leaving with everybody hating him and driving away with the Illinois plates on his car after Abe Poland fired him. And then he he buys an NBA team where he's had a mediocre run. I mean, this is this is not Jordan, the player, the, the one who would never accept this. He's become a, just a run-of-the-mill owner with a run-of-the-mill team. Yeah. You know, it, it's not it's not who he was.
1: All right, Andy, good to talk to you as always, and uh, we will chat next week. I hope you got some nice plans for Memorial Day Monday.
2: Oh yeah, we're gonna have like uh, three hundred people over here for a barbecue.
1: <laughs> Are you gonna do anything?
2: <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, we we uh, we usually have big Father's Day bash. So I don't think that's gonna happen. So, yeah, it's just uh, business as usual for a while. I think.
1: All right, Andy. I'll talk to you later. Thanks, buddy. I'd right, say take there care. There you go. Can you tell? I'm just shaking my head. Just shaking my head slowly back and forth. Andy, Andy. Andy. <laughs> that was in March. Suddenly now Dr. Fauci knows the value of masks. 2 months later. His whole lifetime. His whole career. Oh, no, no, masks are, oh, we got to have masks now. It was a remarkable Monday of movement on a number of fronts, as you can tell now. Some of these states, the more restrictive ones, either A, they're looking at the numbers going, we can't hold on much longer. Percentage of positive tests continue to decline. The availability of tests by state continues to grow and grow and grow. I mean, they're they're having to beg people to get tests pretty much everywhere New York, Cuomo at his press conference is like here, watch, I'll take a test and you know, quick swab. That's it. I've been told by people who've had the test. That's bullshit. What Cuomo showed was not how the test really feels that it is 10 seconds of poking your brain and it is not pleasant. So who knows if he was just doing that for show, like, yeah, it's easy. Come get a test. And then you get the test and jam it in there. But there's tests everywhere to be had right now. It's May 18th. There's going to be even more tests. And nobody's going to come get them. You're going to have to force people to get them. But people are going to resist saying, you can't force me to get a test. They're going to probably try to tie it to going back to work. Well, you got to get tested. But then people are going to say, why? It's only good for one day. I could get the Rona tomorrow. You got to test me every day? Well, we want to test once a week. Oh, yeah. Who's going to pay for all that? And pretty soon, governments are going to say, well, we can't afford to keep testing everybody this much. And employers already hammered because of this lockdown are going to say, we ain't got the money to do it, and they're just going to let it go. Just like these rules in baseball. They're going to start out with like no lineup cards. And then eventually, they're just going to go, yeah, that's fine. And I do believe there's going to be fans back in the stands by the end of the summer sometime around september they're going to start letting fans back maybe even sooner than that, who knows uh, and they're going to let them back in a limited fashion and they you know they're going to you know ramp it up but i'm serious about don't let you know these government agencies or fauci or anybody micromanage your sport keep your sovereignty because they will stick their fingers in there in the pie and they will they will make your life miserable they'll make you do dumb shit so here was a great interview it's with Swedish scientist Johan giesecki He's the guy who said, and he's proven to be the rightest one anywhere about this whole pandemic, who said, yeah, Sweden, we're not locking down. We're going to take reasonable precautions. We're going to tell our citizens, look, you probably should lay low just a bit. Don't do this. Don't do that. But we're not going to crater our economy because of this. He was on Australian TV. Australia has had very... Low numbers. They got on this early. They were very strict. But basically, Gusecki tells him that, hey, you know what? Congratulations. You're fucked. You stamped out the virus. Now what are you going to do? He said, what are you going to do for the next 30 years? Shut down your borders? But I guess that's your problem, I guess. Here he is, Johan Gusecki on Australian TV. Sweden has avoided the sort of lockdowns that we're seeing here in Australia. Tell us your thoughts on... Are lockdowns
2: the correct way to go?
0: You introduced me by saying that I would say that you got it all wrong. I don't think you got it all wrong, but you painted yourself into a corner and I'm watching with interest how you and 100 other countries will climb out of the lockdown. <laughs> because I don't think any government that I know gave a minute's thought about how they would get out of the different lockdowns.
1: Boom! 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 Didn't give one minute of thought, well, how do we get out of this? Goddamn right. Nobody thought that. that
0: take a school closure, for example. If you close the schools, when are you going to open them? What's the criteria? I don't think anyone thought about that when the closure was, was decided on.
1: Now, Johan, you st- said that you think the results are going to be similar across most countries, regardless of yes. the approach they've taken. Can you take us through that?
0: is a tsunami of a rather mild infection spreading around the globe and I think there is very little chance to stop it by any measure we take most people will become infected by this and most people won't even notice we have data now from Sweden that shows that between 98 and 99 percent of the cases have had a very mild inf- infection or didn't even realize they were infected wow. so we have a this spread of of this mild disease around the globe and most of it is happening where we don't see it it's among people that don't get very sick spread it to someone else that doesn't get very sick and what we're looking at is a thin layer at the top of people who do develop disease an even thinner layer of people that go into intensive care and an even thinner layer of people who die but the real outbreak is happening where we don't see it
1: boom right there johan gasecki I mean we got. Meanwhile, we got Fauci suddenly appearing with a mask for the first time with Burks. That drove me over the edge. Oh, look, Fauci and Burks now have masks on. Well, that's interesting. And God bless Andy, but he's like, well, they know more now. Do they, though? So in other words, what are you going to do? Shut your borders for 30 years? I mean, this thing is going to rattle around for a while. It's going to run its course. How are you going to handle this? Did any government think, well, all right, well, we can lock down, but how are we going to get out of it? In America, we're finding out states want to get out of it by micromanaging every little step of the way. In Wisconsin, Governor Evers saying, well, other stores can open but only five customers at a time. And then they lose in the Supreme Court. His stay-at-home order expires. And they immediately, in Dane County, where Madison is, and in Milwaukee City itself, relock down. Why? Tell them what they won another week of Economic damage, congratulations, because nobody in those areas couldn't drive just outside the county line to go get done whatever they got to get done. But you got to do it well. We got to back up the governor. And the governor decided, I guess, Monday, well, we're not going to fight this thing anymore because it's just going to waste time. So it looks like for now they're giving up. And other states are following in their footsteps, California and New York, Gavin Newsom and Cuomo saying, oh, yeah, sports. Yeah, we can do sports. It's going to be interesting these next couple of months. Uh, the numbers are going to keep on declining. And the speaking of the numbers, it's crazy the different ways. It's like 50 different states are playing a game of baseball with different rules where some states are like, well, we count hits as runs and runs as runs and home runs are two. But foul balls are minus one-tenth of a point. Oh, potential spam. Shut up, phone. Stop calling me. Here's a Here's a quick excerpt from a story in The Atlantic. Other differences make it hard to track the pandemic. In at least three three other states, officials have lumped together probable and confirmed COVID-19 deaths. Most don't specify how they're counting them. Most states report the number of people who've been tested for the coronavirus. Six states say they track the number of samples that have been tested. And in California and New Jersey, they switched methods in the past couple of weeks. Switched methods in the past couple of weeks. Changing the rules of the game in the middle of the pandemic. And you could say, well, why, how come the federal government can't mandate reporting? Well, it's federalism. It's part of the it's part of what saved us in this, thank God, is that certain states, Georgia and Florida and Texas, said, fuck it, we're doing this. And man, the hysteria and the fear porn. I mean, Of course, I quote the Atlantic. I think the Atlantic was the one that said that had a column that was titled Georgia's Experiment and Human Sacrifice. I've told my wife, I said, I want to go down to Georgia and spend some money. I want to go rent a place in Georgia. If anyone that knows a good place down by the water in Georgia, I really feel like I got to go down to Georgia, spend some money, reward that state, reward the governor for having the balls to come out of this. Thank God for them and a couple others. I mean, it's just madness all around, and somebody has to call it. Portnoy's rant on Friday was great. It helped turn the culture. Oh, this is great, too. Dana White with this when it came to a New York Times article on, well, they had precautions for MMA, but we didn't like the execution because Joe Rogan was in the ring, and Joe Rogan shook hands with fighters. Uh, there was an article uh, in the New York Times today that was very critical of the execution. of Fuck that guy. I, fuck that guy You know what <laughs> happened with that guy? Fantastic That guy Who's never covered The, the sport ever before Was writing a story About um, Endeavor And then The UFC Was one of the Endeavor You know And And, and what do you think happened When this guy who In this paper Covered The UFC When they'd never covered it before What do you think happened? Fucking story was huge They did killer traffic now, now they're writing stories three a week, and they're putting, posting live results. I don't give a shit what that guy thinks, what he has to say, or what he writes. Good for him. He's he's pulling good traffic. Do you not worry about the like the? the, the- I don't give a fuck. Yes. Fair enough. Yes. Yes. Now he can do that, whereas Roger Goodell can't. These leagues do have to step. Carefully, And they got to walk a fine line because they'll be out to attack if, if they're not careful, but that really felt good. There was a story from Massachusetts where a woman came upon a crew that was spray painting orange arrows on the sidewalk to indicate what direction People were supposed to walk, and she properly blasted it for being absurd and ridiculous. She did call it communism and fascism, which it isn't quite that, but it was ridiculous to be sure. Uh, Let me find that audio for you. I'm I'm scrolling through. I've got so many things that I'm like, where did I put that one? Where did I put one? Because it keeps coming. Colorado, by the way had to uh, reduce their deaths because somebody sued saying, how the fuck are you coding these deaths? Somebody had a 0.55 blood alcohol content and they coded it a COVID death. I mean, are you kidding me? So they quickly dialed that down and said, yeah, it's about 25% less. And on and on and on. The political correctness and you know entities just like, oh, we got to do something. We got we to gotta control this. We got to control that. Nobody stops to think, is this really wise? Does this make any sense whatsoever? In the case of the sidewalks in Massachusetts, they're not going to have these ugly orange arrows that are going to take forever to fade unless they spend more money to hire professional crews to come out and take them off. It's ridiculous. Why can't I... F- if only Twitter had a way to file things, you know, label them, just have folders, and I could put the I could create a file which says utterly ridiculous coronavirus things that have been tried or are being done around the country. Of course the file would probably overflow with stories. My my fingers getting tired here scrolling for this. Oh by the way. Yeah, I know. Should have had it before the uh, podcast was up. Uh, parks in Manhattan that have circles drawn on the grass. Stay inside your circle. Social distancing. Oh, yeah. Isn't that great? Oh, I'm telling you. Just give me four more scrolls down. I'm just looking and scanning. Uh, baseball scores here. Uh, not with baseball scores for you just yet. Mm, TikTok video. Oh god, bless America. Oh yeah, here's a sign, COVID testing in the rear on a orange traffic cone. Somebody said, "Well, that's new. I thought it was a nasal swab." Oh, bing, zoom, very funny. Okay, got it. I got it. Took long enough. All right, this will be the last thing. And then we'll be done with the coronavirus insanity for today. But there'll be more insanity tomorrow, don't worry.
3: What are you guys doing? For people to walk in one direction, yeah, okay. This this is insanity. insanity. You know this. Oh, yeah. what, what the? God, this is crazy.
1: Nice concrete sidewalks, nice white picket fences, stone driveways, and now there's big ass orange arrows painted on the sidewalks.
3: I, who, who's the um, town manager for Swampscott? Swampscott. And I, I bet he supports Charlie Baker. Oh my! Go- so people, now what happens if I don't walk? And what if I do this? And I, and I will, because this is what I'm gonna do. What do I? What happens if I do this? What do they do to me? <laughs>
1: she starts walking the wrong way. A- By the way, here comes a couple of masked Karens. Actually, a Karen and a Neil. A couple. In masks, walking the other way.
3: This is ins. I know you guys are doing your job, but this is insanity. This is tyranny. That's what this is. This is communism. Communism. Come on, this is communism. No, it isn't. I have a double master's in nursing. What (laughs) kind of health is this? You're gonna get a. a, You're gonna get. You're going to get a COVID from walking down the street? This is insane. Look at this. Two people who are together walking with a mask, and they're fine. Thank God this woman has some sanity, no mask on her, and they're fine with with what's going on here. Spray-painting arrows on the sidewalk in Swampscott, which means that if if you are walking in the wrong direction, if you walk... I'm telling you, that's
1: what's going to happen. Get arrested for walking in the wrong direction. All right. Swan Scott. There you go. That'll do it for us today. For us. For me. Thank you for listening. Thank you for giving me three days off of the ZabeCast. I needed that Monday day to recuperate and to get back into it. Sports are starting to come back. It's going to be a hell of a ride this summer into the fall. And I am fully confident and optimistic that sanity will prevail in the end. But, man, it's been a hell of a fight. Thanks for listening. Have a great Tuesday, and we will see you next time.
3: Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022.